It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with yours truly, Ryan Hickey, taking you to the top of the 11 a.m. hour Eastern. We're here for the next two hours talking a lot of sports, NBA Finals, Major Baseball Playoffs are underway. Obviously, we have the NFL week number four and college football. Really, I'll call it week number two because now this is really the second week where you have a lot of the big boys playing. We're still... Three, three plus weeks away from the Big Ten returning and then a little further after the Pac-12. But we'll go with week number two. I'm legitimately feeling the college football season returning. So we are really in the sports vortex right now. It is really all coming together. All these important games are being played. And for those five months that we basically went without any sports, it is great. Great to have too many options to watch, too many things to keep track of. And really kind of have your head spinning if you're a sports fan these last few days. Um, because it's really, really, really... And then a lot of fun and a lot of things to pay attention to. So here, as we start on this brand new day, October 1st, um, we, hope to get, we hope to cover it all. We are here to cover it all. That is for sure. We do have a great show planned for you. Very, very, very excited about these next two hours. 9.20, 15 minutes from now, unfortunately, COVID has finally hit the NFL. Call it inevitable. Call it bound to happen. But it has finally happened. The Tennessee Titans are the first team to have, we'll call it a minor outbreak. Four players, five staffers have tested positive for the virus. Um, and now, at least the NFL is still trying to and is still planning on having their game against the Steelers be played. And now it's already been postponed from Sunday. They're discussing maybe they'll play Monday, maybe they'll play Tuesday. But I'll ask you, and I'll get into my thoughts. Should the Titans and Steelers be allowed to play? I have my answer, and it's not... The, my answer is not based upon the virus itself. I'll explain what that means. 15 minutes from now, uh, we'll get into that. 940, there's been a lot of speculation, and I thought at least would happen. The cultural playoff committee was getting urged by outside voices, media, coaches. You had the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, outwardly campaigning for the playoff to expand this year only. Right? Their contract goes through 2026 to have a four-team playoff. Um, so for the most part, it won't expand before that because as we know, contracts and more importantly, money dictates sports, especially in college football. But this year we thought there could be exception, right? Major League Baseball expands their postseason. Hockey expanded their postseason. NBA to a certain extent with their playing series extended their postseason or gave chances maybe to teams that didn't deserve it, but opened up the playoffs and at least opened up the opportunity to make the playoffs more than normal if it was obviously a normal year. College football is not doing that. And yesterday, the College Football Playoff Committee announced that they will not expand the playoff. Firm, no expanding the playoff. It will be four teams this year. I'll explain why they're making a mistake at 940. Top of the second hour. Game of the year, or at least the matchup of the year, I should say, in the NFL. Ravens and Chiefs from Monday night, right? That was supposed to be the game of the year so far. Two best teams in the AFC. Two of the best teams in all the NFL squaring up in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, 29 MV, uh, 2019 MVP. Patrick Holmes, Super Bowl MVP, 2018 MVP. Two of the young guns about to take over the league. And the Chiefs didn't make it a game. 
I'm not going to blame the Ravens, to be honest, for their, their sloppy play in offense. The Chiefs just took over the game. And watching that game, they reminded me of a team. Not a team in the NFL, not even a college team, a team in a completely different sport in the NBA. And why they are more reminiscent of this team. And the, the more they win, enjoy it now, NFL fans, because guess what? We are going to hate the Chiefs very soon. I'll explain why. 10 o'clock a.m. on the East Coast, at least. 7 a.m. if you're up early with us on the Pacific. Um, 10 20, we'll do a little MLB postseason whip around. A lot to get to here as the Major League Baseball postseason is off and running. We already had a few teams advance in the wild card round. Um, we'll get into that, kind of preview a few series um, that have some big time games later today. And 1040, as we always do every single Thursday, Hickey's Pickies. A tough week after Lauren started us off hot going 5-0 and in week number one of the Celebrity Guest Picker. My guy, Christian Maldonado, not great at 2020 or Apocalypse, actually finished tied for last. Yikes. Um, not great at picking games either. One in four. Not great, Maldi. Not great. But we have a brand new guest picker for week number three here of Hickey's Pickies. My guy, Tyler Krolikowski. He has been hot because me and him have talked about a few picks uh, these last few weeks. He's a big diehard Dolphins fan all over the Dolphins. Picked him guaranteed to cover against the Bills two weeks ago. Dolphins cover. I'm pretty sure, I have to double check, pretty sure I picked him outright last week to beat the Jaguars. They did that. This guy, Kroll, has been hot. So we'll see if he can continue it on Hickey's Pickies to end the show as we always do at 1040 Eastern. But we will start with the biggest news this morning. The NBA Finals start last night. Lakers, Heat, really thought the Heat could push him. I thought really the Heat had a legitimate chance to win this series. And at least in game one, at least to start the series, at least to start the finals, it was all Lakers. Final score, in case you missed it, 116-98. I mean, the Heat win technically. I mean, I mean, the Heat lose, excuse me, and the Lakers win by 18. The game was not even that close. The game was over in the third quarter. Up by 30. Lakers were rolling. Heat were going down with injuries. Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler all get hurt throughout the game. And at least through one game, let's just say it's not looking good. But I want to discuss this here, right? In a, in a blowout game, in a game where the Heat did not show up, or at least showed up in the first half, and just completely wiped off the floor in the second half, is the series over already? Is it over? Will the Lakers just continue to roll? Because usually, for the most part, the Lakers have rolled in this playoffs outside of game one. That's always been their bugaboo. Lost to the Trailblazers in game one of the playoffs. Lost to the Rockets in game one of the conference semifinals. And then rolled over the Nuggets. Rolled over now the Heat. Will they continue to roll? Now my answer is dependent on health. So that's a little caveat. It, it, there's a little asterisk there. With Can the Heat rebound? Can the Heat bounce back? It is dependent on health. You've got to have Bam Adebayo back healthy. Goran Dragic doesn't look good, but he's not exactly ruled out for the final. So we'll see if he is able to come back, what kind of impact he'll have. But this series is not over. Again. It's dependent on health of the Heat. But this series is not over for a few reasons why. Here's why. Number one, this is how the Heat are built on resiliency. right? They are built on bouncing back from not going down easily and basically always putting up a fight. Right? What do we say about Jimmy Butler? He's a dog. Jimmy Butler's a dog. What do dogs do? They don't lie down. They don't go away easy. They don't fold up shop and just basically pack it in. So they've bounced back all season long. They've bounced back especially in the playoffs. And anytime they face adversity so far, especially in the bubble, they've answered the call. 
Against the Celtics, game one and game two, they were down double digits in the second half of both games. They came back, kept fighting, found a way, won both of those games. You lose games where the momentum you think starts to shift to the other team. All right, the Celtics starting to get some momentum after they won um, game three. Start bouncing back. What did the Heat do? Boom, right away squash that. The Bucks, I know they were down 3-0. It's obviously a tough time to come back from. But they win game four. Start to get momentum in game five. The Heat squashed that. So this is what they do. Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler have set the tone for this entire team. We always talk about Heat culture. We always hear about Heat culture. But they set the tone of not fighting. I mean, of not giving up, excuse me, always fighting. And they are a very resilient group. Despite being young, despite counting on the likes of Duncan Robinson, despite counting on the likes of Tyler Hero, two young players still getting their experience in the league. They keep fighting. They keep pushing. So they are built on resiliency, so I think they'll bounce back, number one. Number two, watching game one last night, everything that could have gone right for the Lakers did go right. Coming into this game, the Lakers, since they went down to the bubble of all the playoff teams, made the second least amount of threes per game. Second and last and made amount of threes per game. Now, obviously, they don't rely on the three ball a lot. When you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you don't have to. But at one point last night, they were 13 of 19 from three. Just unconscious from deep. And that's when they went on the run in the midway through the second quarter, through the third quarter, when they just built an explosive lead. And basically it was an avalanche falling down to Miami. They were not missing from three. Danny Green, Anthony Davis, KCP, even Alex Crusoe. Everyone was hitting shots from deep. But the issue, at least for me here, is that that's not how the Lakers normally operate. That's not sustainable. At one point in the game, again, and their average drop because really in the fourth quarter when they're already up by 30, didn't really matter. But when you're at one point up 13 of 19 from three, yeah, you're going to build an explosive lead. You are going to just completely bury a team. So you couple that with the Heat missing open looks. I do think there will be some regression here to the mean for the Lakers, and I think this is not as bad as it looks for the Heat. And while LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I'm not taking anything away from those two. They've been phenomenal. Anthony Davis has been the best player in the bubble by far in the playoffs. If they continue to play well, he has a legitimate chase, a uh, little bit, agil- <sighs> we'll try this again. Thank God I don't speak for a living. He has a legitimate case, there we go, to an MVP uh, uh, of the finals. Because that's how good he's been. He's been dominant. LeBron's been incredible getting him the ball. When LeBron James is passing first, you're in big trouble. Big, big, big trouble. So those two have been absolutely phenomenal. And maybe this is just me being stubborn, not looking at the facts. But to me, eventually, that supporting cast has to come back and bite them. I don't think in the NBA, even with two phenomenally insane, incredible players with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, can do it by themselves. Rajon Rondo has been great this postseason. Don't get me wrong. KCP has been great. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Crusoe, they're all making winning plays. Danny Green's hitting shots here and there. Missing most, but hitting shots here and there. I'm still worried. I'm, I'm still not fully convinced this supporting cast can play this great night in and night out. So everything went perfectly for the Lakers in game one. The Heat are built on resiliency. And finally, at least, with Eric Spolcher as their head coach, 
they will make defensive adjustments. This was a, a big field out game in game number one. And as we saw, when Bam Adebayo went out with an injury or when he went to the bench to rest, Anthony Davis went off. Solomon Hill, Myers Leonard, no matter who you put down, even Andre Iguodala, they, when they did some switches, no one could slow down the likes of Anthony Davis. But what have we seen? Spolster was able to fluster the Celtics with some zone and some different defensive concepts that they weren't ready for. I think he'll throw a ton of different looks on the Lakers and try his best to slow down Anthony Davis. I think he'll be successful. We'll see how long he'll be successful for and if other players are able to step up. But I'm confident that Eric Spolster will have some, some new looks and some new wrinkles defensively to try to slow down Anthony Davis down low. Because as we've seen, that's kind of the tone that's set for the Lakers. When Anthony Davis is playing well, playing out of his mind and dominating down low, that's when the Lakers are at their best. That's the guy you got to take away. That's the guy you got to slow down. So I'm confident things will look a lot different in game two. So for those reasons, for the defensive adjustments I think are coming, because everything possibly that could go right did go right last night for the Lakers. And that the fact that the Heat are a resilient bunch. You can't take that lightly. This entire bubble, they look like they've been having fun, enjoying the test. And one of those teams where when they get pushed, they love pushing back. That's why I think this series is not over. Now again, there's an asterisk. There's a caveat there that if the Heat don't get healthy, they're in big trouble this series is over. you got to have Bam back. He had a shoulder strain. Exercises are negative after the game. you got to have him play, and you got to have him play a lot starting game two. Goran Dragic, plantar tear his left foot. Now, Woj was tweeting last night that Dragic didn't need a boot walking out. He wasn't limping severely leaving the, uh, leaving the arena last night. That still doesn't mean that he'll be able to play, and not just play, play effectively. Because he's been a huge offensive catalyst for this team this year. Huge. He does take a load off Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero's not hitting shots. He, he steps up. He's a great, crafty veteran guard that the Heat have really relied on this postseason run. So that's the thing. They do need to get healthy to have a chance to. But if they do, I think the Heat are not going down without a fight. I think we can still get six games in this series. I still think the Heat can legitimately win this series. I do. This is me as Mr. Emotional here, right? I, especially for this NBA bubble, I have taken a lot of um, one-game results and kind of tried to extrapolate that over the rest of the series. Oh, wow, the Blazers didn't even play their best game in game one. They still won the game. Lakers are in real trouble. What happened? Lakers basically brushed them off to the side of the next four games. So the same thing with the Rockets. Wow. Rockets are hitting some threes. They gave the Lakers trouble in the regular season. This could be one of those games where the Rockets are hitting the threes. It could be a sneaky series where the Lakers find themselves in trouble. Blow right past. Nuggets, I thought they could keep on fighting. There was one of those teams that they were hot. Resilient. Didn't stand much of a chance. Five games against the Blazers. Five games against the Rockets. Five games against the Nuggets. Lakers have been rolling. But I'm not overreacting to game one. I'm not just thinking this series is over. I think the Heat have a legitimate chance to win and push the, Heat, uh, push the Lakers and make this a real series. So I'm curious your thoughts. Watching game one, if you watched the finals last night, what are your thoughts? 
Can the Heat make this a series? Can they push back and at least give us an entertaining series? Because so far, whether it's the Blazers, the Rockets, or the Nuggets, none have been able to do that. LeBron's been too good. AD has been too good. And the Lakers overall have been too good. Can the Heat flip the script? Or can they change the narrative and be the one team to push the Lakers? Make them earn it. Give us an entertaining series. So I'm curious your thoughts. We're talking NBA Finals here. If you're on Facebook, throw us a like. We appreciate you watching on Facebook. Uh, you can comment there, WWSRN, or I'm sorry, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook. If you're on Twitter, that's where you can find us at WWSRN underscore radio or at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts. We're talking NBA Finals. Can the Heat put up a fight here? Do they stand a chance in pushing LeBron James? We'll get to that when the uh, Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're back here on this Thursday morning on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Ryan Hickey Show with you until 11 a.m. Eastern. Discussing the NBA Finals from last night. Game one in the books. Lakers roll over the Heat. Can the Heat put up a fight? Can they bounce back, show some resiliency, and make this a series? No team has been able to make this a series. No team has been able to win more than one game against the Lakers. Can the Heat do it? I say yes, but with a caveat. They got to get healthy. Their center, Bam Adebayo, or their forward, Bam Adebayo, shoulder strain. Goran Dragic tears a, it has a plantar tear of his left foot. Jimmy Butler rolled his ankle, but seems to be all right. They got to get healthy. If not, they are in big, big, big trouble. So we're talking NBA Finals, Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, and WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or at Ryan Hickey Show also on Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts, write on Facebook your thoughts. We'll read them on the show before we get out of here. A little bit of a breaking NFL news as we discuss. Announced just about a half hour ago. The Ravens and the all-pro cornerback Marlon Humphrey agreed to a five-year, $98.75 million extension. Man, it's good to be a quarterback in the NFL. It's good to be an edge rusher who gets after the quarterback in the NFL. And it's good to be a cornerback in the NFL. Those are the three positions you are getting paid. Marlon Humphrey's just got almost a, basically a $100 million extension. When you are that good at your job, that's what you deserve. So good for the Ravens, good for Marlon Humphrey. That's where you got to invest your money. He's been phenomenal. Lockdown. And now, as you see, with the league passing more and more and more, two of the best ways to slow down offenses is to, one, get after the quarterback, two, Stop the pass if you're a corner. So good for the Ravens. Good for Marlon Humphrey. $98 million extension for the Ravens all-pro corner. So that's a nice segue into the NFL. We'll get into the Chiefs because I want to get into that game um, from Monday night in a little bit at the top of the second hour here at 10 a.m. Eastern. One NBA team, a dynasty, as a little tease, as a little hint, that the Chiefs really remind me of for the first time watching them on Monday night. And why 
Enjoy it now because guess what? We are going to hate the Chiefs. You'll see. We are going to hate the Chiefs very soon. But I'll do that at 10 a.m. I want to get into some NFL, a different NFL topic right now. And again, like I said in the open, it's inevitable that this is going to happen. When you're playing in the middle of a pandemic without a bubble, the coronavirus is going to somehow infiltrate the NFL. And it has for the first time, really. We've seen a few players go on the COVID list, um, whether in training camp or whether in the season you had the Falcons. Their rookie, A.J. Terrell, last week was put on the COVID list. Um, but the Falcons continue to play, no problem. But now the first real, we'll call it a minor outbreak of a team happened with the Titans. Four players tested positive. Oh, I'm sorry, three players originally. Now it's up to four players have tested positive for the virus. Five personnel members of the Titans tested positive for the virus. So nine total players, coaches, personnel on the Tennessee Titans have tested positive since, um, since Monday. As we sit here on Thursday. So the Titans have shut down their facility until Saturday. And the NFL yesterday announced they are postponing um, their game against the Steelers on Sunday. Could be played either Monday or Tuesday. Adam Schefter just tweeted 10 minutes ago. Not even three minutes ago. This is breaking, breaking, breaking news. One text from a league source told Adam Schefter, Steelers-Titans uh, game, Monday's off the table to play. So discuss, maybe they'll play Monday, maybe they'll play Tuesday. Adam Schefter saying from a league source, Monday's off the table. So it could be Tuesday. So I'm curious your thoughts, because as we've seen, different leagues handle this differently, right? Major League Baseball, when an outbreak happened, they shut it down. They learned their lesson after the Marlins. Even one player test positive on a team. Major League Baseball shut that team down for a few days, monitor the situation before trying to make up games and resume four, five, even a week later, right? We saw it the Marlins, when we saw it the Cardinals, the Mets. Different teams had to sit out for a little bit longer than others. Uh, but Major League Baseball took the wait-and-see approach. And be safe. But you look at how the NFL set up their schedule. Look at the NFL. You, you can't, just the way the game is played itself, you can't make up games, right? There's no such thing as playing a doubleheader. You can't just push the game off to play two games in a few days. Thursday night games are, are bad enough, and you hear players complain about it. So essentially, with the way the NFL schedule set, you know, or the way the NFL set their schedule, I should say, there's basically no room for error. No room for postponements. No room for cancellations or moving games because they put out their schedule as normal. 16 games in 17 weeks. No extra time, no spaced out, no moving the Super Bowl. The goal is to play 16 games in 17 weeks just like they do in any other year. So moving this game to a month from now, end of the season, is not going to happen. So I'm curious your thoughts. Should they play this game? Should the Titans and Steelers be allowed to play this game? Is this a smart idea? My answer is yes, and here's why. One, I like what the NFL is doing so far in pushing this game back. I like that they're not playing it Sunday. Even I like that they're not playing it Monday. I think Tuesday is a, a perfect time frame because you know by that point if any more positive tests are coming from the Titans. And if so, you probably have to shut it down. But you make sure that there, there's no real players that could be positive still in the facility, still on the field that could actually end up playing in a game. I'm potentially spreading the virus to the other team, to the Steelers, which is the last thing you want. But a new player did test positive yesterday. After initially, it was three players and five staffers. So now, again, that player count went from three to four. But pushing the game back, giving yourself some time, you hope at least can flush out every single positive test on the team, and you hope that you at least have contained the, the spread so far. But you buy yourself time. You're not pushing players into the facility. You're not pushing teams to practice without knowing 
who's healthy and who's not. So I like that you buy yourself time there. But more importantly, this is the biggest reason why I think they should play, and I like that they are pushing the game back, and they're not playing Sunday, and they're not playing Monday. Because this is the biggest thing, to me at least, watching how this has unfolded the last few days. You, by pushing the game back at least, are preventing a competitive advantage from being too drastic, where it's almost not even worth playing the game. And here's what I mean by that. Like I said, the Titans, their facility is closed until Saturday. So the Titans are basically practicing remotely the entire week. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, and maybe they'll be allowed back in the facility on Saturday. So while one team in the Steelers is being able to practice at the facility, everyone on the team is together, you're on the practice field, you're watching film together, you're in meetings together, getting ready for the game. For that, one team is getting ready normally, another team's getting ready basically at home, remotely. Watching film remotely, having meetings remotely, just like the entire offseason. So I understand that basically you had a whole offseason of practices. This is not the first time players are watching film from home or having a meeting from home, right? But to not be on the practice field, to me, is a major, major, major disadvantage for the Titans. If this game was played on Monday, or if this game originally was thought to be played on Sunday before the NFL wised up and pushed it back, to not even allow the, the Titans to have practice in person, to me, was a major disadvantage. And there's really no reason to play the game. If that was going to be the case. That's a major competitive disadvantage that the Titans were facing that the Steelers had. If the Titans were not allowed to practice basically until the game started. Now I understand NFL practices, for the most part, are glorified walkthroughs, right? You're not hitting in practice. All the teaching you can do, a lot of meetings. But for the most part, it's walkthroughs. Sure, you're in helmets and shoulder pads, but it's really, you know, just meant to knock the rust off. Just kind of get the timing down and be on the same page. Practice during the week is all about game planning, watching film, seeing what the other team does well, trying to stop that. So it's not as important, I guess, practicing throughout the week as is in college football or high school football, right? It is different, or even training camp. But because of that, because of the, the way the year has been so far, training camp has been anything but normal. Right? They had no preseason games. We were virtual the entire season, and even the whole training camp itself was truncated and different. So now these practices during the week are still more important. You're still working on knocking off the rust more than ever. So sure, to be, not be able to practice until Saturday, the earliest you get ready for a game that was supposed to be on Sunday and thought to maybe be on Monday, is insane. You have maybe at best one practice. To me, that's a massive competitive disadvantage for the Titans. That I don't see how you're going to be, be able to put them in a position to succeed. Yeah, their safety, Kevin Byard, this week, talking about basically what they're going to do. He said, guys, basically have to jog. Get on the Peloton. Just do anything to keep the muscles flowing, get the blood flowing, keep the muscles loose so they're not tightening up and they're not going to you know, be susceptible to injury once they get on the field, either Saturday, Sunday, um, and then to play a game possibly Monday, but now it looks like, according to Adam Schefter, Monday's off the table, possibly play Tuesday. So at least now, if you open the facility on Saturday, you play the game on Tuesday, you give them at least three chances to get on the practice field together, go through a walkthrough, be together in a setting to just get some of the rust off. Again, you still need practice to throw the ball, to catch the ball, to run the right routes. Because training camp was so truncated, because it was so abnormal, you couldn't get your normal offseason working. These practices, again, become more and more and more important. you got to find your rhythm, especially early in the year. I mean, we're still in week four. These teams are still trying to knock some of the rust off, still go on the same page with each other, whether it's quarterback to receiver, 
whether it's defensive line, you know, working with the linebackers on who's going to take what gap or the defensive coordinator trying to put new blitzes in or the offense trying to just implement more of the offense. This all predicated on having practice time on the field together, walking through it, throwing passes, and seeing how it looks. So at least, you know, pushing the game back till Tuesday, it seems like that's at least the latest now that's going to happen. You give the Titans that ability to be on the field, whereas in the past, if you play the game on Sunday, if you play the game even on Monday, without the Titans being allowed to be in the facility, to me, that was a massive, massive, massive competitive advantage for the Steelers and a massive disadvantage for the Titans. So we'll see how this goes, because this is the NFL's, again, first real um, dance with the virus. First real case where players have it. There's a minor outbreak throughout a team. How do they handle it? Because, again, unlike baseball, you can't just postpone the game and play doubleheaders later in the season. Right? The, the schedule is not set up that way. You have 16 games in 17 weeks. The goal of the schedule is to play every single game every single week. There's no real plan or contingency plan for, hey, if a virus happens, how do we make sure that this team can practice safely but also still play the game? We are seeing that right now, and we'll see if the NFL how the plan goes. But at least playing on Tuesday, to me at least, gives both teams a fair chance to win this game. It gives the Titans a legitimate chance to win. If you are going remote until Saturday, if you're not allowing any Titans player into the facility until the earliest on Saturday and expecting to play the game either on Sunday or Monday, to me, don't even play the game because it's already over. I don't think I'm making too much of practice. I know Alan Harrison, we're talking about practice, man. We're talking about not a game, practice. Practice is still important in the NFL, especially now early in the year. And again, especially with the way this offseason has gone. Now more than ever, you got to be on the field, throwing to receivers, reading blitzes, talking to your teammates, get on the same page, finding that rhythm. Everyone's still trying to knock the rust off. Everyone's still trying to basically get, you know, get on, on their best foot. So expecting these players to sit at home, again, as Kevin Byard said, the best that they can do to stay loose is by jogging around the neighborhood, riding a, riding a bike. Again, you're setting, you're setting them and any team up to fail. You're absolutely setting them up to fail. So play the game. I'm all for playing the game on Tuesday. All that matters to me, obviously, obviously, first and foremost, goes without saying, make sure everyone is safe. Right? Make sure you're not putting anyone at risk. Make sure that the virus that you know, no one has it. Testing every day still to see. Give yourself some time to make sure that asymptomatic players are, are figured out, taken away. And if you can play, if there are enough players are healthy, if you contain the spread, you can, again, you can play a game safely, do so. But also make sure these teams have a chance to win and a chance to be competitive. So I think Tuesday, Tuesday games are the answer. If this is the NFL protocol where they're going to shut things down until Saturday, if that's, that's the protocol they set in place, that's going to be the, um, the game plan or the outline of how to handle the virus. Shut the facility down the whole week. Put everyone remote. That way, you, again, you can keep everyone away from each other and limit the spread. You've got to give those teams at least a chance to be competitive, to have a chance to get on the field together and play well. So I'm curious your thoughts. Should they be allowed to play this game? Should the Titans and Steelers be allowed to play? Again, we still have a lot to sort through, but how do you think the NFL has handled their first positive cases so far? Again, Adam Schefter just reporting that Monday's off the table for the Titans-Steelers game. Looks like the earliest they'll play is Tuesday. I would assume it's Tuesday or bust. 
when you can't play Tuesday, you're not going to push it to Wednesday. It's almost too close now. You're having two games too close together. Do you like how the NFL is handling so far? And should they play? So taking your thoughts, Facebook, World Life Sports Radio Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio. We'll get your thoughts. And when we come back, speaking of contingency plans, college football and the college football playoff announced they will not be expanding the playoffs this year. That is set in stone. The playoff is going to start at four like it always has. It's going to stay at four this year. Even with the wacky conference on the scheduling, even with teams playing different amount of games, right? You have some teams playing 11, some teams playing as little as six. But they're going to just figure it out, judge how they have to judge based upon the criteria that they see on the field, and they will keep the playoff at four. I'll explain why that to me. That's a huge, huge, huge mistake. We'll discuss that when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, and it is the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As we just finished discussing, should the Steelers and Titans be playing this week? They pushed it back after Sunday. They're going to play maybe Monday, Tuesday. We told you Adam Schefter just broke the news that Monday's off the table. Tuesday be the earliest they would play the game. Titans facility closed until Saturday. And as we go to break, and as I look at Twitter, that conversation is basically moot. Adam Schefter, 15 minutes ago, just tweeted, Titans-Steelers game this week is being rescheduled for later this season. Two more positive tests, one player, one personnel member coming out of Tennessee. So now a total of 11 Titans, players, coaches, personnel within the organization have tested positive this week. Five players and six other employees. So now the game against the Steelers is postponed until later in the year. Now this is the only thing I don't understand from the NFL's perspective. I've thought and I've had my questions about the NFL and how they've gone about their business so far. Basically, going business as usual. Right, started with the offseason. Now, they could obviously afford to do that because, obviously, you have the free agency, you have the draft. You could do that remotely, and they did so. And I thought it worked out really, really, really well. I had my questions. It worked out. But as you continue now to get into the summertime, as you continue to get closer to training camp and games being played, no bubble for the NFL. Training camp with slight modifications, but for the most part the same. And as you've seen for the NFL outside of the fans, it's in business as usual. The games have been the same. Coaches have, have masks on. But other than that, again, seeing coaches with masks on and no fans in the stands or very, very, very limited fans in the stands is the only difference between COVID football, if we'll call it, and normal football in any other year. But my one question, or now that really comes to light, is that how does the NFL go about or how do they not schedule, have some sort of mechanism where they either give teams extra bye weeks, push the Super Bowl back, or have just designated weeks where teams can make up games, right? Maybe a bye week in, let's say, week nine where everyone has a bye week. Or maybe half the league has a bye week, and the next week half the league has a bye week to use that to make up games. We, saw, we see in college football, right, they're playing six, seven, eight, nine, ten game seasons, but over the span of 10, 11, 12, 13 weeks, 
We've seen college football games canceled, but also we've seen them rescheduled for later on in the year. Like we said, unlike baseball, you can't just schedule a doubleheader for the NFL. You can't just push it back and play two games in five days or two games in six days. Can't do it. You already do it enough with Thursday night games. You're not going to do it again. So that was the only question mark I had is the NFL is going business as usual with their schedule, 16 games in 17 weeks, just like we're accustomed to. But without a bubble, there's really no plan you have if an outbreak like we're seeing in Tennessee happens, how can you reschedule? Now, there's a way, or it's possible with, with their schedules, well, the Steelers have a bye week in week seven and the Titans in week eight, and there's a way you can move some games around to where you can basically use this week, week number four, as the bye week for both the Titans and the Steelers. And reschedule that game in about a month or so. But what happens if a team has an outbreak after their bye week? Or you can't finagle the schedule to where it could work or you could push it to later on in the season. And we are playing in the middle of a pandemic. So, I mean, maybe the NFL wants to go to, and maybe they should go to based on winning percentage. Some teams play 16 games. Maybe some teams could get in 15 or 14. Whoever has the best winning percentage, sure, you know, it could be unfair. Some teams could get very mad because maybe this game for the Steelers, you're feeling better about, but maybe in a few weeks or so, injuries happen, and it's not playing that well, and maybe you lose this game and you could have won it if it was played this week. But I'm interested to see how the NFL goes about trying to schedule this game because it doesn't seem, it seems very hard to do. And going forward, it's going to be very, very, very hard to do. Now, still, I guess it's possible the NFL could push their playoffs pack and push the Super Bowl back and maybe have a week at the end of the year to make up games. Maybe that's what you do. But it was very, very, very advantageous for the NFL to think they can get 16 games in in 17 weeks. I think every team could play 16 games. So just in case you're tuning in, welcome. Titan Steelers has been postponed for this weekend. It's not going to be played on Sunday, not going to be played on Monday, not going to be played on Tuesday. Adam Schefter reporting that's going to be played later on this season. I am very interested to see how this goes going forward. Again, you knock on wood. Knocking on wood right now. Sitting at a wood desk right here. Knocked on wood. So I'm not jinxing. I'm not rooting. But I'm just more curious how the NFL is going to go about handling coronavirus outbreaks on teams and trying to reschedule games. Because the NFL is not stupid. TV revenue, the minor, minor, minor revenue you get from fans, but for most of our TV revenue, each game is very important. you got to play the games. That's where a lot of the money comes from. So the last thing the NFL wants to do is play less games, under-deliver on their product, give uh, TV networks less games to broadcast. So I'm very, very, very interested. I'm curious your thoughts here. How, how, have you, how, how do you think the NFL has handled this so far? What are your thoughts? They pushed it back. They pushed it back. They pushed it back. And when they couldn't push it back anymore, when it wasn't practical to try to play a game on, on Tuesday or like we've just seen more Titans players and personnel still coming up positive. How do you think the NFL has handled it so far? So far, my only question, again, is more going to be about the scheduling. I think, actually, now that the virus is outbreak, I think they handled it pretty well so far. I like the initial delay. I like the you put it off until the last possible moment. That, to me, is, is how you have to handle any situation that going forward because it's all fluid. 
As we've seen, things change, science changes. If you can contain an outbreak and still play a game, still have it be a realistic where there's no competitive disadvantage one way or another, play the game. We saw the Falcons. A.J. Terrell got sick in season. He's not put on the COVID list. The Falcons still played their game. You can do it. But now as we see when the Titans went outbreak happened, you can't do it. So, so far, I think the NFL has handled it well. My only criticism, my only question really, is just their, how they handle their schedule from the beginning. Again, no real built-in mechanisms to allow to reschedule on the fly pretty easily if teams' bye weeks don't match up, if they already have their bye week and basically there's no other room to put that game in. We'll see. Maybe they could just create another week at the end of the season. Maybe that's the answer. And if that's the answer, I think that's, that's how it should be. The NFL knows their money is made with games being played. They will do everything they possibly can to make sure this game is played one way or another. So I'm interested to see how the NFL goes about it. But as is the latest from the NFL news, of course, just as we talk about the NFL, should they play and the competitive disadvantage that the Titans were facing so far, if they were to play this game with their facility closed until at least Saturday, that's all out the window. It's all moot now. It doesn't matter. No Titans and Steelers this weekend. So adjust your fantasy teams accordingly, by the way. If Titans players or Steelers players, better make that switch before it's too late. Very, very interesting so far. This is going to be fascinating to see if this happens to other teams. Hopefully not. Hopefully this is a one-and-done situation. But as you've seen, playing football in the pandemic, stuff like this happens. Even when you're on your P's and Q's, as Mike Vrabel said, there's no one, no one here did anything wrong. No one's at a party that they shouldn't have been at. No one was not wearing a mask or being reckless. When you're not in a bubble, it does happen. This virus spreads very quickly for a reason. So very interesting to see how the NFL does handle this. But no Titans Steelers, they will make it up later on in the year. I'm very interested to see how they go about trying to make this up. To me, the answer is push this regular season, or I should say push the postseason back a week. Make a week 18. When was that, New Year's, New Year's Day weekend? A blank slate of games. I should say an open week of games to make up as many cancellations as possible. So Steelers-Titans push it to week 18. If any other team unfortunately has an outbreak, it's easier now to cancel games because you're going to just put, all right, we'll put it at week 18. We'll, we'll push it back. No reason to, uh, to try to force it here because that's another thing too. There's a lot of pressure on these teams to play games and it's very hard to kind of try to make up games. It's not very easy to right now. Right now, as we sit here, uh, October 1st at 9.54 a.m. There's no plan. So right now it's a lot harder to postpone a lot of these games if similar outbreaks happen across the league. Because there's no, there's no backup plan. There's no contingency plan at the moment that we know of. So my idea, my plan is week 18 of the NFL season. The last weekend of the year, blank slate, wide open, put every team that needs to make up a game, put them there. Don't take the risk. Don't risk playing games where you're not 100% certain that everyone is healthy and virus-free. And God forbid if the virus spreads, you're in big trouble. Big, big, big trouble. Be safe. Be cautious. I think it's a smart move to postpone this game. 
shove it in week 18 and do that going forward. Gives teams an extra chance to try and make up a game, especially if it has playoff implications, and give the product that fans want and TV networks want 16 times a year just like you promised. So we'll definitely keep you updated as information kind of continues to flow again. Adam Schefter just breaking the news. Steelers and Titans postponed this weekend. Not going to play. I originally thought to be playing on Monday, possibly Tuesday. Those are out the window. More Titans players, one player, one personnel member, tested positive for the virus this morning, thus triggering the cancellation of the game. The goal is, Adam Schefter is reporting this, that the NFL will try to make up this game later on this season. So we'll see how it goes. That's the latest right now. My solution, week 18. End of the season, push the playoffs back a week, push the Super Bowl back a week. Make a, uh, a week 18 where every game can be made up that is postponed to try to fit in all the games as possible. So curious your thoughts if you have a solution. I'm not that creative, to be honest. My brain does not really think outside the box that often. So my plan is week 18. What's your plan? Because I promise you, you guys are a lot smarter than me. So if you have a plan, what the NFL should do, how they should go about trying to reschedule, postpone, make up games. When outside of one bye week, there's really no other way to do so. I would love to hear your thoughts. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or also on Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show. Reach out. Please let me know. How can the NFL go about rescheduling games when so far there's no plan to do so? There's no outline to do so. 16 games in 17 weeks. Teams' bye weeks are all over the place. If you, if you already have your bye week, then you're in big trouble. My answer, week 18. I'd love to hear your answer. I'd love to hear your answer. So we'll get to that. And when we come back, quickly I'll get into, hey, you know what, we'll stick with the NFL. We'll, we'll change the programming on the fly here. We'll stick with the NFL. I want to talk about the Chiefs from, thir- uh, from Monday night. They remind me of one NBA dynasty. And if they continue to go in that same trajectory, we are going to hate the Chiefs very soon. I'll tell you what that dynasty is and why when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And we're back here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network on this Thursday morning. Welcome. A gorgeous, gorgeous Thursday morning. Hopefully you're enjoying it. Had a good week so far. And hopefully at least for these next, this next hour or so, we can keep you entertained and get you juiced up and jacked up for the weekend. I always do love Thursdays. Thursday shows to me are my favorite because I love the anticipation. I'm a huge, huge, huge anticipation guy. I love looking forward to things. To, honestly, I get more excited about looking forward to things sometimes than actually when the event's there. Sort of almost a depression kind of sinks in, like when, if I'm looking forward to a big game or a big weekend, and that weekend ends and the, the game ends, and it's like, oh, what do I have to look forward to next? That's always kind of at least my, my thinking and where I get my most excitement from. So Thursday shows to me are always my favorite because it's what are we looking forward to this weekend? What games are going to be on? What storylines are we watching for? To me, that's why I always do love Thursday shows. I mean, we'll get you jacked up and juiced up for the weekend. With Hickey's Pickies, 40 minutes from now, my guy Tyler Kolakowski. Great, 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 big-time Dolphins fan so far. Great on their picks. We'll see if he can make up for my guy, poor Maldi. One and four last week as a celebrity guest picker. We'll see if he can uh, do much better. Some great slate of games. We'll get an upset special. Not to brag, my upset special did hit last week. If you watch Mississippi State, 
If you dabbled in the 16 and a half, or maybe even were feeling crazy, put them and took them out right. You're feeling very good this week. I can promise you that. One for one in the upset special. We'll see if we can go two for two this week. We're sticking in college. We're sticking in the SEC. So I'll give you mine. We'll see what Kroll has his, and I'll obviously break down the biggest NFL games of the weekend so far. Again, 1040 for Hickey's Pickies. If you're just joining us, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you like the show. Adam Schefter of the NFL just reported, or of ESPN, excuse me, covers the NFL, obviously. Adam Schefter reporting that the uh, Steelers-Titans game, originally scheduled for Sunday before being postponed to either Monday or Tuesday, is now flat-out canceled, postponed, and moved to later on in the season because more outbreaks are happening in Tennessee with the Titans. And we just were discussing, if you have any ideas, any thoughts, because like I said, I am not the most creative person in the world. So I'd love your thoughts and your opinion. How can the NFL go about trying to reschedule this game specifically, but also just going forward? Because like we said, the NFL schedule didn't adjust for the virus. Just like every other season, the NFL has 16 games in 17 weeks. There's no extra bye weeks added in case games have to be postponed to push later on in the season. So my solution, create a week 18. Push the playoffs back a year. Ah, back a year. Oh, jeez. Push the playoffs back a week. And that way, create a week 18, the last week of the regular season, in order to make up any postponed games, especially if they have playoff implication. So every team can play 16 games. Canceling games is easier, so you don't have to really feel the pressure of trying to pressure and put teams on the field if you're not 100% sure if everyone has been flushed out and doesn't have the virus. Because right? as we've seen, it started with the Titans with three players and five staffers. Since then, it's grown to 11. One player and one uh, coach that's positive today. And we'll see how this develops going on later in the week if more players continue to pop up. Because as we've seen the incubation period, it's about two weeks. So players can feel good right now. It could be asymptomatic right now. Test negative right now. But tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, test positive. And if they're on the field, it's obviously big trouble. So my solution, week, week 18, to me makes the most sense for trying to just push these games back a week and thus doing so, ensuring every game is played while not pressuring teams and putting them at a complete uh, disadvantage, competitive disadvantage, trying to play either with a decimated roster or very little to no practice time. So I'm curious your thoughts. If you have a better thought than mine, if there's another way in your mind that you can think, okay, how can the NFL schedule this, fit all these games in, I'd love to hear it. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or also on Twitter at Ryan Hickey Show. Comment, uh, tweet us, comment on the Periscope, comment on the Facebook Live video. We'll read those comments on the air before we get out of here in just about an hour or so. I do want to get into and go back a few days, go to Monday Night Football. Chiefs-Ravens was supposed to be the matchup of the year so far. Maybe the matchup of the year overall in the NFL. Chiefs, best team in the NFL. Ravens, one of the best teams in the NFL. The only real challenger so far that we've thought coming into the season in the AFC would be the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson just won the MVP. Now it's high-flying. They are building on their defense. They just gave, in case you missed it, Marlon Humphrey, their all-pro cornerback. Basically a $100 million extension. They traded for Clays Campbell. They were really building their defense in order to compete with the Chiefs, try to slow them down. And how did that work out? As we know, the Chiefs rolled in that game. 34-20, honestly, it wasn't even that close. They cruised in the first half. 
And now they continue to roll. Chiefs are 3-0. and Going back to last year, their last loss, Kansas City, regular season or postseason, week 10 in Mahomes' first game back from injury, they lost to the Titans 35-32. So they rattled off, including the playoffs, 12 wins in a row. They are rolling. They're the best team in football by far. And watching that game Monday night, uh, an epiphany popped in my head, or a comparison, I should say, popped in my head. Watching the Chiefs throw touchdown passes to their fullback. Watching the Chiefs throw touchdown passes to their left tackle. Watching the Chiefs throw touchdown passes to their fourth option at wide receiver. It dawned on me. You know what the Chiefs are? They are the NFL's version of the Warriors. They are the NFL's version of the Golden State Warriors for a few reasons. Why? They have a ton, a ton, a ton of similarities. Number one, plethora of weapons. You have Patrick Mahomes. You can call Steph Curry. You have Travis Kelsey. You have Tyreek Hill. You have Miko Hardman, a burner as the fourth option at receiver. You have Sammy Watkins, a former number one pick, now relegated to the second, third, fourth receiver role. Clyde edwards helaire the first-round pick at running back. You have so many weapons, defenses just can't cover everybody. You want to take away Travis Kelsey? No problem. Boom, there's Tyreek Hill deep. You want to take away Tyreek Hill deep? Boom, you have Travis Kelsey in the middle. Or you have Sammy Watkins beating your third-string cornerback. You have Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of the backfield against a linebacker or a safety just running by him. It is impossible for a defense to cover them all. And guess what? If you do the impossible, if you play really good pass defense, and there were plays last week where the Ravens did. They had everyone covered. They fooled Mahomes. But guess what he does? You want to drop eight in coverage? You want to take away at the same time Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Miko Harbin, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Take away all those five options? Guess what you don't account for? Guess who then burns you with his legs? Patrick Mahomes. Ran for a TD on Monday night. Averaged six and a half yards per carry. Ran for a few first downs. Extends plays with his legs. So it's not only impossible to cover everybody, it's impossible to cover everybody and then also keep Patrick Holmes in the pocket to prevent him from still running and getting a first down. So the weapons are so similar because what do the Warriors have? It's the same thing. You want to try to take away Steph Curry? Okay, boom, you'll give Klay Thompson open looks from three. Good luck. When Kevin Durant came, that's game over. And it allows players like Andre Iguodala. It allows players like Maurice Spates. Even JaVale McGee. Because you have your, your defense deployed in so many other options. You're worried about stretching them so thin because there's so many different players out there that can burn you. The even marginal players now start to dominate because they're having mismatch after mismatch and almost being forgotten about. So you can, you can focus all you want on Travis Kelsey and Terry Kill. Miko Harmon, as you see, can run by anyone in the secondary. Sammy Watkins is still a bona fide great wide receiver. Well, not great wide He's a very solid wide receiver. I take that back. He's a solid wide receiver. If he's your third or fourth option, your team is going to be impossible to stop. And again, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is tough between the tackles. And if you're out in space, good luck. So plethora, plethora, plethora. So many options, so many options, so many weapons to try to stop. And because of that, similar to the Warriors, it's impossible offensively to keep up with the Chiefs. That's the one thing that really stood out to me watching this game where that comparison really clicked is watching them in that second quarter, the Chiefs, just explode on offense. 
touchdown, turnover, touchdown. I was like, whoa, how did this league all of a sudden bloom to the way it is? They score in bunches, similar to what the Warriors do. So if you have them down in the first half and halftime, even in the third quarter, no problem. Because guess what? When they go on that run, that's it, that inevitable run that you know is coming that you can't stop. It's over. 24 nothing in the playoffs, no problem. They score 51 points against the Texans. Down 10 minutes left, uh, down 10 points with 7 minutes left in the Super Bowl, no problem. Here comes Patrick Holmes making big play after big play. Just two weeks ago, they were down 11 to the Chargers. The Chargers, especially their defensive line, was working. The Chiefs, slowing them down. They had nine points going into the second half, late in the third quarter. Down 11, no problem. Patrick Holmes, bing, bang, boom. Tie the game, overtime, they win the game. So their offense is so deadly because they can score in bunches that they either turn games into blowouts real quick or they can erase deficits just like that. Again, ask the Texans. They're up 24-0 on the road in the playoffs. When do you ever, first of all, not even see a 24-0 comeback, when do you ever feel unsafe about a 24-0 lead? But you're just waiting. Watching that game, you were waiting. You knew, okay, there's no way you can keep the Chiefs offense down this long. And what happened? 51 points happened. A total explosion. So they have a million weapons you got to account for. Because they're so talented, you can't score at them. And they score in bunches similar to the Warriors. That, that to me, is really the, the main comparison. They score in bunches, and they just turn games into blowouts quick. And they erase deficits at the snap of a finger. And you know what now also the Chiefs are starting to do? That the Warriors really started getting hated for? Because when the Warriors started coming up, they were the fun team. They win their first title. Steph and Clay are super young. They beat LeBron James. It was a great story. The next year they win 73 games, take the league by storm, and what happened? They started getting cocky. They started showboating. You had the shimmy start with, with Steph Curry. And they slowly, even that year, started to turn into the villain. Which led a lot of people to root for LeBron James, a lot of people to root for the Cavaliers that series, that finals. So the Warriors are so good in their heyday that they honestly, even in big games, would toy with you. They would make some insane plays. They would go for the highlight reel plays because they know if they don't get it, if it's a turnover or it's a missed easy bucket, it's no problem. We're still so much better than this other team. Even if they're playing a good team in the West. We're so much better than this other team. They can't keep up with us. We can force, we, we are allowed to make errors because we will make it up later. And now, watching this Chiefs against the Ravens game on Monday night, the Chiefs were just toying with the Ravens. Again, they threw a touchdown pass to their fullback, Anthony Sherman. A little fullback screen by the goal line. Beautifully designed by Andy Reid, by the way. But they're throwing fullback screens. They threw a touchdown pass to their left tackle, Eric Fisher. That's how good things are going. That's how you know Andy Reid is cooking, and that's how you know this team is not bored. But they're trying to keep it spicy. They're trying to keep it exciting. Because when you have all those weapons, if you know it's going to be a tough game, especially against the Ravens, when you're that confident you're that much better than this team, when you know in your head we're going to win this game no matter what, that frees you up to put plays in to throw touchdown passes to your left tackle. I just went through all the weapons they have. They don't need to be throwing passes to the left tackle for touchdowns. But guess what? They're doing it just because they can. 
This was supposed to be their toughest test in the AFC going to the Super Bowl. This was supposed to be the matchup. We thought, okay, if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens can figure it out in the playoffs, this is going to be the team that could put up the biggest fight against the Chiefs. Prevent that from owning the AFC just like the, uh, just like the Patriots did for two decades. I understand there's no fans in the stands, but on Monday night on the road, they went to Baltimore and just toyed with them. Had fun. Took chances because they realized, guess what? If we throw a touchdown pass or we try and this touchdown pass to Eric Fisher doesn't work, or a fullback screen to Anthony Sherman doesn't work, it's okay. We're still going to win this game. It's no problem at all. We will still dominate. That is why, to me, this team is so reminiscent of the Warriors. And just like the Warriors, we are still in this honeymoon phase with the Chiefs. Early on, watching Steph do the shimmy was cute. Watching him play with his mouthpiece was cute. It was harmless. They started getting more cocky. Started really letting you know just how good they were. Obviously, once they got Kevin Durant, it really went overboard. But the, all of a sudden, the Warriors turned into the villains. All of a sudden now, the excuse for NBA ratings was that the Warriors are too good. We already know who's going to win. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, there's still doubt the Chiefs can win the Super Bowl this year. I don't know why. They returned again, 18 of 22 starters, and some people are acting like that's not a big deal. That's a huge deal. When you're returning your essentially your whole team and they're only getting better, more cohesion, in a year where there's no offseason training, training camp is short, so those teams that stay together, that have that synergy with the GM, with the head coach, with the quarterback, where the offense is the same, where a lot of the defensive pieces are the same, you have a massive advantage over a lot of teams that are transitioning to new head coaches, transitioning to new quarterbacks, trying to build a brand new system in when all your meetings can be over Zoom. There's no thought and there's no reason to think the Chiefs won't get back to the Super Bowl. So pretty soon, the Chiefs are going to be like the Warriors in terms of just just how dominant they are and how impossible it is to stop them. Where it's almost going to be not even fun because, all right, no team can really put up a fight. And not to mention, they're going to turn into the Patriots because everyone's going to soon start rooting for them. This is going to happen sooner than we think. Because I truly believe the Chiefs are going to be a dynasty. They're going to be here to stay. They'll be going to a ton of Super Bowls. And they will be like the Patriots. We, we will now be the team that the Chiefs will take over the mantle for the Patriots. Be the team we all hate. Be the team we root against. So sure, maybe they're more likable than Bill Belichick. Maybe they don't cheat as much as the Patriots. But what happened with the Warriors? Steph is likable. Clay is likable. Steve Kerr is likable. We hated the Warriors. We hated the Warriors. They were too good. Now it turned into rooting for the Cavaliers. Obviously, this past year, just the debacle that happened with injuries and obviously Kevin Durant leaving, and they had one of the worst years. That worked out of getting a top pick. We hated the Warriors. We loved seeing them struggle. We loved seeing LeBron come back from 3-1. We rooted for the Rockets in those series where you really hoped and prayed the Rockets had a chance. You know deep down they didn't, but hey, crazier things have happened. The Chiefs will be a hated team in the NFL very soon. They will be a dynasty. They're going to get back to the Super Bowl this year. They might as well win it. They may as well win it. But enjoy the Chiefs now. 
as I am. Enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes. Enjoy watching this dazzling performance by the Chiefs week in and week out. Enjoy the creative play calling by Andy Reid. Throwing touchdowns to left tackles. Throwing touchdowns to fullbacks. Despite having a massive complement of weapons available. Because we are all going to hate this team very soon. I promise you. As soon as maybe this offseason, if they win another Super Bowl. We love building players up. We love building teams up. The little team that could. Don't forget. The Warriors were in the same boat as the Chiefs. The little team that could. Tons of postseason failures. Tons of bad seasons. Tons of heartbreak for those Golden State Warriors fans. But they were loyal. They kept going to Oracle. They sold out arenas even when they were bad. Same thing that happened to Arrowhead. Those Chiefs fans are loyal. They are diehard. They've been through so much heartbreak through their years. Especially in the playoffs. They keep on coming back. And now they're getting rewarded for it. So good for them. But don't forget now. Don't forget why we hated the Warriors. Don't forget how that quickly turned from this cute, lovable, fun, exciting team to this dynasty that we hated. To this dynasty where we couldn't wait to knock them off. Anytime we can ding them, anytime we could try to knock them off their pedestal, we tried. We tried. And that's going to happen with the Chiefs. So mark it down now. If you like watching the Chiefs, that's, that's okay. Enjoy watching them now. Enjoy it. Because we said the same thing about the Patriots when their dynasty first started with Tom Brady. We said the same thing about the Warriors when their dynasty started with Stephen Clay. We were saying the same, and we will say the same thing right now about the Chiefs with Patrick Holmes and Andy Reid. So I'm curious, looking at the Chiefs, coming off this Monday night game, can any team slow down the Chiefs? Can any team slow down this Chiefs dynasty? I'll go that far. They look head and shoulders about above. Uh, they look head and shoulders better than any other team right now in the league. The Ravens were supposed to be their stiffest competition in the AFC. Chiefs laughed that off like there's no problem. Should have had 31 points in the first half if Harrison Bucker makes his kicks. So can any team slow down the Chiefs? Is there any team out there right now in the NFL that can actually beat the Chiefs, AFC or NFC? Is there any team you look at, you circle, and say, you know what, that's a bad matchup for Kansas City. That's a team where they have the offense, they have the defense, they can do it. Because I say no. I say no. But I'm curious your thoughts. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter. Reach out, let me know, we'll get your thoughts. And when we come back, Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. Some teams are already moving on. It's a big game threes later on today. We'll go a little MLB postseason whip around when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network coming to you live as always from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Now, whether it's great pizza, Hot Heroes, or Phenomenal Dinners. Check out Big Italy Pizzeria either in person in Medford or, great news, if you're a Bayshore local, like yours truly, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, same thing. Big Italy Pizza in Medford, Joe's Pizzeria in Bayshore, or BigItalyPizza.com. Huge pizza fan, especially on Fridays. I love Pizza Fridays. Whoever invented the term or whoever kind of made it in vogue, we'll say, to have pizza on Fridays, you deserve an award. Honestly, for whatever reason, it tastes better, you're in a better mood. 
Pizza Fridays, always, always, always clutch. Big Italy pizza, clutch for Pizza Fridays. So, Major League Baseball playoffs underway here. Do a little MLB postseason whip around. Right, we didn't do much of a preview for the playoffs. I apologize on Monday. A lot of NFL topics to get into, obviously. Brand new baseball format this year. 16 teams total make the playoffs compared to just 10. And that starts with the expanded wild card theme. Everyone is playing wild card games. Best out of three advance. And man, last night, every single game uh, for baseball was on yesterday throughout the day. A marathon baseball day. 13 hours. Started at noon. Ended at 1 a.m. If you stay it up late like yours truly did. You're tired, but man, was it worth it. Because that Yankees-Indians game last night was incredible. That is playoff baseball at its best, honestly. That, to me, is why I still playoff baseball is one of the best postseasons around. The stark difference between regular season and postseason, there's no real big-time... Like, there's That is the biggest difference. In terms of intrigue, in terms of excitement. Like, in the third inning, it's a huge pitch, it's a huge batter. You don't get that really in any other sport. Eight tie or lead changes throughout the game yesterday. Back and forth, back and forth. Starting with the fourth inning. At least one team scored in every inning. So the Yankees take the lead, the Indians come tied up. The Yankees take the lead, the Indians tied up. The Indians take the lead, the Yankees tied up. Go ahead and win the game. And this is why also it, it, like playoff baseball is so great and so much different than the regular season. That game last night was a record. Four hours and 50 minutes. Four hours and 50 minutes. The longest nine-inning game in playoff baseball history and regular season baseball history. Now, I will say this. The Yankees do get the win. They do now advance to play the Rays in the ALDS. I'm a little worried about the Yankees' bullpen. One of their strengths coming into the year, they lose Tommy Canley, before, really before he even throws a pitch with Tommy John surgery. And the Yankee bullpen did the one thing, especially in the playoffs, you can't afford to do. Struggle to throw strikes. So I'm curious. I, I'm concerned, I should say. But hey, positive news. Everyone in the Yankee lineup, up and down the lineup, contributed, which is what you need. And part of the reason why they got past the Indians. Man, Rays Indians are going to be so much fun. There is no love lost between the two. And if you forget, Basically, have a little beanball action going forward here. Yankees throwing at Rays. Rays throwing at Yankees. Kevin Cash in the postgame a few weeks ago basically saying he has a full stable of arms that throw 98 ready to basically throw at Yankee players on command if need be. I don't think we'll get that in the postseason because ejections are too costly. Suspensions are too costly. But there is no love lost between the Rays and the Yankees. The Rays have owned the Yankees this year. Really the past few years, but this year especially. I'm really, really, really excited. That's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of intensity. That is going to be baseball, uh, playoff baseball at its finest. We'll go from the good with the Yankees, what they did to advance, to the bad. If you're a Twins fan, honestly, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. We've talked about Falcons fans this week just, just being despondent. I mean, that is just, just brutality. Heartbreak City anytime you root for that team. The Twins in the playoffs, man. Like, I don't even know if you're a Twins fan, how you get excited. The Twins lost yesterday to the Houston Astros. They were swept, right? In the three-game series, Houston won the first game with the ninth inning comeback. They won yesterday. 
So a team with the worst record or, or tied for the worst record in the playoffs, the Astros were under 500 heading into the playoffs. Twins were the number two seed, or the number three seed, I apologize. Lose, they're out. Their postseason losing streak is up to 18 games. 18 games. Could you imagine that? Not 18 years since they won a playoff game. The Twins have lost 18 consecutive playoff games. That's honestly impressive because I don't even know how that's, like, it's possible. Now, as we know, in the playoffs, it's, it's hard to win every game, right? Obviously, you're playing against the best teams. It's hard to win. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever. It's hard to win. It's the best of the best. It should be the hardest to win. But that said, there's something about baseball where that, to me, is the one sport, maybe similar to hockey when you get a hot goalie. You can luck yourself into a win here and there. You get a hot starting pitcher. The other team's pitcher's not, you know, maybe not pitching well, that well that game. There is a chance where you could just win one game. And there's a reason why you rarely see, even in the regular season, 18-game losing streaks of any team. The Pittsburgh Pirates are god-awful. The Detroit Tigers stink. Even them, it's hard to lose 18 games in a row. Eventually, baseball luck, I'm sorry, you just luck into one. There's really no other analysis but to say you can luck into a game, even in the playoffs, even in the postseason. You can luck into a game. Your starting pitcher is hot. Their starting pitcher makes one bad pitch you capitalize on. It's super hard to lose 18. I can't say that number enough. 18 postseason losses in a row. Going back to 2004. Even worse for the Twins, every well, 16 of those 18 losses were to the Yankees. They faced the Yankees since 2004 every time the Twins have made the playoffs in the first round. They've lost every single game. So you're angling to avoid the Yankees. They did that. You get the Astros. No starting pitching really outside of Zach Greinke. The lineup's been hit or miss. They're under 500. And here we go. You lose 18 games in a row and you can't even win one game at home. Twins fans, I am so sorry. Honestly, again, I don't know how you get excited going to the playoffs. I thought this is a team that could really honestly compete this year. No Josh Donaldson hurt, but still. 18 games in a row to not even luck into one win in the postseason in 16 years. It honestly is impossible to do. So Twins fans, I'm sorry. And Kuka on the Astros side. Carlos Correa talking a lot of smack yesterday. Basically asking where the haters at. How mad are you now that basically the Astros got it done? They won this year after all, obviously, the junk that everyone threw at them in this offseason. Hate to tell you, Carlos Correa, being the Twins in a wild card series, if you're trying to think that validates now you're all of a sudden your 2017 World Series title, like all of a sudden now that the cheating goes away, that we forget that, oh yeah, you guys didn't use technology to egregiously cheat to help win a World Series, you're lost, man. I'm sorry. You couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more lost. Asking where are the haters at now? What are they going to say now? Because you beat the Twins, a team that can't can't win a postseason game and save their lives. They lost 18 in a row. If the Twins were playing the Little Sisters of the Poor right now in the playoffs, they would probably lose. So beating the Twins is not that big of an accomplishment in one. And it does anything but validate your 2017 World Series title. Let's us does not help us forget the, the 2018 cheating or the 2017 cheating at all. At all. So no, you know, you're anxious just like all your other Astros teammates. You're upset 
or all the hate that you got this offseason. But you did it to yourself, man. You and your teammates did it to yourself. And if anything, trust us, no one's going to forget 2017 and how, you, how the Astros won the World Series. And I can promise you, when the Astros lose, next series, the series after that, the World Series, everyone is going to make them remember, you can't win without cheating. Nothing you can do to nothing you can do on the field will validate 2017 in, in the public's mind. I can promise you that. So stop trying. Stop trying. And we do have a decisive game three here. We'll get this quickly. White Sox and A's. A's did something they rarely can do. Stay alive. They've lost six consecutive postseason games for yesterday. Nine consecutive elimination games. So think about that. Anytime the, tw- uh, the A's have faced elimination, I was about to say the Twins, talk about postseason ineptness, ineptitude, I apologize, ineptitude. The A's lost nine consecutive elimination games, so they couldn't stave off elimination for one more day, obviously couldn't win a series. The last time the A's won an elimination game before last night was 1973, the World Series Game 7 against the Mets. There's a lot of pressure mounting on Oakland. I think that win yesterday helps to alleviate that pressure. You've got to get the monkey off the back. You heard the A's players saying that. They'll win today. I have the A's winning today. I think the Braves will finish off the Reds today. Cubs will even up their series against the Marlins. Speaking of surprises, Marlins and Cubs bouncing back, winning game one. I'm really intrigued to see how this schedule, this regional schedule that we've had this year, excuse me, we only play teams in your own division and the AL or NL opposite division, but in the regional, same geographic region. You have the Marlins and the Cubs never facing each other before this year. Same thing with the Cardinals and Padres. I think that has an effect. If you're not familiar with a team, it's easier for a team like the Marlins to sneak up on the Cubs and win. Because in, in most times, you play every team in the National League. You've seen these teams in the playoffs one way or another. Maybe for a three-game series at some point in the season, Maybe it's a division rival you see him 18 times. But there's some familiarity. You have some sort of idea how this team plays. For the, uh, for the Marlins and Cubs, you don't. Cardinals and Padres, you don't. A lot of these series, you don't. It's the first time these teams are playing this year. I'm really interested to see if that led us up to more upsets. The Marlins pulled off game one. And the Cardinals pulled off game one. Really intrigued to see how these game twos go today. Because the better teams are the Padres and are the Cubs. I think both will win. But I'm really interested to see how this familiarity or lack of familiarity does have an effect on the playoffs. So that's at least MLB whip around for at least, you know, playoff postseason edition, we'll say, for the first two days of MLB postseason. More games today. So I do think the Braves will finish off the Reds. I think the Cubs and Padres do get even with their series as well. So any playoff takeaways, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. And when we come back, a Thursday special. Hickey's Pickies. I'm very, very, very excited about our celebrity guest picker for week number three. We'll tell you who it is when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Week number four of the NFL. Week number two, really, of college football with a lot of the big boys back. And more importantly, 
Week number three of Hickey's Pickies. It's been a fun week so far. Four and one last week for yours truly. Unfortunately, one and four for our celebrity guest picker, Maldi. And I am very, very, very excited for our guest picker here for week number three, Hickey's Pickies. A man who I've been texting a lot, big Dolphins fan. He's been all, all over the Dolphins fan. Uh, all over the Dolphins, I should say, this week. So as we do our upset special, keep an eye on that. Could be, you know, something, some, some good picks here in the making for sure. A man who is going to try and challenge Lauren Clark's 5-0 record in first place. It is the great, 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 great Tyler Krolikowski, one of my guys. B-Way, what's up, stud? Hey, Hickey. Thanks for having me, man. Long, first time, long time. How you doing over there? You're one of the OGs, one of the, one of the, one of the true supporters. So, B-Way, I appreciate you, man. I am very excited to have you on. You've been I'm crushing it be so, so far with your picks. I'm excited to have you on, on the record here. Let's get it going. What do you got for me? All right. So we'll do, as we do, five picks plus an upset special. We'll do, we'll start with college. Two college games this week because we have two ranked opponents. We'll start in the SEC. Both actually in the SEC. Number 13, Texas A&M. They're getting 17 points. Jimbo Fisher, Kellen Mond back. This is supposed to be the year for Texas A&M. On the road at number two, Alabama. 17 is a big number, B.U.A. You feeling, you feeling the Aggies? Can they keep it close to you, or, or is Bama just going to continue to roll on? I'm not buying it. Bama's the best team in the country. That offense, high power with those receivers. Waddle, Smith, first top, top 15 picks in the draft, most likely. I'm taking Bama with, against, the, against the 17. We'll lay that. Laying it, B-Way, I'm laying it with Bama you. Bama at home, they're rolling. Roll Tide. Rolling. Roll Tide. We're laying it like we're bricklayers here. Lay the 17. A&M is one of the most overrated teams in all the country. And they're honestly number 13. They were getting a lot of hype this year, B-Way, because their schedule is so crappy. That, like, it's not the quarterback. It's not the team. It's because their schedule was such a layup up until the, the end of the year where they thought, all right, they'll get 10 wins just because they're playing the little sisters of the poor. And the College of Mount St. Vincent, if they had a football team. <laughs> I'm with you. Roll, tide, roll. Lay the 17. Bama will cruise. And it's going to be a blowout. We're both on Alabama for number one, the second college game. This one, to Hickey, me. Hickey, Hickey, you know what we say over here in Massapequa? Oh, let's hear it. Roll, tide, baby. Roll. <laughs> roll, damn, tide. I'm sticking the SEC, B-Way. A great matchup on paper. Number seven, Auburn. On the road between the hedges at number four, Georgia, the Tigers, six and a half coming into this game after Georgia just, I mean, at least in the first half, looked abysmal, abysmal against all teams Arkansas in the first half. What are you thinking here, with This is a tough one. Six and a half points is, a, you know, an interesting number here. Can the Tigers cover, keep it close, or are you going with the Dogs? I'm taking the points here, six and a half. I do like Auburn. I think they got a solid team SEC matchup. You know, they're they're no Alabama, Georgia. It'll be close. I'll take the points on this one. This is this is the one I've gone back and forth on. I'm still. I think I'm just going to make this pick live. So I'll ask you a question. You're you're a, a former quarterback, correct? That is correct. Former, former All Star, scout team, All American, scout team, All American. I, I don't want to brag here, but I think our connection we had back in, you know, the scout team was, was pretty good, right? I, I don't think there was a better connection out there. I don't think so either. I was we were playing. No. It was just, it was like, uh, 
Yeah, it, it all the best combos out there. I think that that was us. That was for sure a great one-two punch on scout team. So as as a quarterback yourself, as a former all-star quarterback yourself, scout team all-star, is quarterback play important? Of course, of course. Huge. huge. Everything. It's everything. I it's mean, huge. I mean, just look at these. Like, just look at it. NFL. Jets. Quarterback play terrible. What are they? <laughs> 0-3. <laughs> Look at the teams that win. Best quarterbacks in the world. But, no, it, it's everything. It sets the tone for the game. Can't have guys turning it over. Need to be able to move the ball. You know, I'll take I'll take the better quarterback in this matchup. Uh, B-Way, we couldn't agree more on this. Auburn, I like Bo Nix. For whatever reason, a lot of media and a lot of college football pundits will say are down on Bo Nix. I'm not sure why. He had an up-and-down freshman year. That's a college freshman for you. He's back. There's some familiarity. The offensive line is better. And not to mention, we talk about Georgia. You talk about quarterback play meaning something. Their quarterback play couldn't get any worse last week. Their quarterback opts out. Then the other quarterback, Mathis, who's supposed to even beat out the incumbent, JT Daniels, gets benched in the first half. This is supposed to be the guy. He gets benched in the first half. Georgia went to their fourth-string quarterback last week against Arkansas. So guess what? I'm pulling. I'm with you, B-Way. Quarterback play matters. The better quarterback, college and NFL should get you the win. If you're giving me points with the better quarterback, B-Way, I'm with you. I'm taking Auburn. Give me the six and a half points on the road between the hedges. Auburn covers. So we are two for two. Alabama, we're both on Alabama. Lay the points. Blowout city. We're both on Auburn getting six and a half at Georgia. They will keep it close. We'll go to the NFL now, B-Way. Three games in the NFL. Tricky one here. Let's do it. Browns. At the Cowboys, getting four and a half points is Cleveland. Which way are you leaning on this one? This is easy for me. Ooh, wow. Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys here. Really? I don't believe in the Browns. Is that a, is that a lock of the week? Is that a B-Way lock of the week, or is that coming later? Um, I got a, I got another lock. Oh, okay, okay. I will, uh, I'm all over the Cowboys. Take them. All over the Cowboys, lay the four and a half. Kroll is going with it. Don't trust the Browns. We do have our first disagreement. The Browns have a lot of success with the run game. Been pounding the ball on the ground. Keep doing it. Because guess what? You have success with it, it keeps the Cowboys offense off the field. I don't like the Cowboys defense. And you know what? This is, you know, we're going to go a little betting term here. I bet against Cowboys last week. It worked. We're letting it ride. We're going to keep on riding. I like the Browns. I think, honestly, they can win this game outright. But I'll take the four and a half points. I think they go on the road. Two big D, keep it close and cover. So wow. you're you're taking the Cowboys. I'll take the Browns. Yeah. You're, Don't like you're, Baker. Your your confidence in the Cowboys does get me a little nervous, though. I, I will admit. You said that with ease. Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. I just you know if the Browns go down negative game script and Baker's got to come back throwing it, I just don't believe in them. Fair. But guess what? Just I I'm begging Kevin Stefanski run the ball. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, you've been doing it great the last two games. Don't get into a passing fest here with the Cowboys, because I'm with you. Dallas would definitely take that one. So I got the Browns, you got the Cowboys. We will go now to talk about quarterback play. The best quarterback in the league against maybe the most surprising quarterback in the league. Patriots getting seven points on the road in Kansas City. Can Bill Belichick, a man you know very well, B-Way, as a Dolphins fan in your own division, what are we thinking here? Can he make some magic and get it done? <sighs> this one's tough for me. I'm smashing the Chiefs again. Smashing the Chiefs. Let's hear it. 
I, I'm worried about the seven points. I think I could see it see it being a close one possession game, but I, I just don't like how Cam looked last week. You know, they ran the ball. He looked a little iffy in the pocket throwing. You know, they didn't run him designed runs as much, and uh, you know he took a couple sacks. Obviously, Belichick will have them ready, but I just don't know if you could you could design a game plan around Patrick Mahomes. Guys, just out of this world. You know that the the Patriots defense isn't anything special this year. From what I've seen, they lost a lot of guys. You know they have a good scheme, but just the talent's not there to to go with Mahomes. So I'll take Chiefs minus seven. I'm with you there. Hope they hope they blow them out. <laughs> just a bloodbath in Kansas City. I'm with you. For for first of all, the first reason, like you said, I'm just I'm done betting against the Chiefs. I'm done. They are to me. They're too <laughs> you can't good. Can't do it. Can't do it. I said before earlier in the show, BUA, I think they're the Warriors of the, of the NFL right now. They're too talented. They're making it look easy. The Ravens are supposed to be their biggest competition in the AFC. I mean, I know they, they won by two touchdowns. That game did not feel even that close. They were just cruising the first half. And I'm with it. The Patriots defense, they've kept it close in previous matchups, and the Chiefs have scored points, but Belichick has kept it close against Mahomes. Obviously, he won that game in the playoffs a few years ago to the Super Bowl. But like I said, they have opt-outs. Their defense has gotten worse. The Chiefs' offense has gotten better. The Patriots' defense has gotten worse. Lay the points. I'm with you. I'm riding the Chiefs. I'm riding the quarterback play. Great quarterbacks don't lose. I'm betting you know on Patrick happen? Mahomes. What's going to happen? They're going to win by six on a missed extra point by Bucker. <sighs> Could you imagine? Or like a late cam rushing touchdown, like a minute left to punch it in. Yeah. That's, we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping they win by two touchdowns. Me too. I'm with you there. Hopefully, you know, right, we don't get a, a cover of the century here for the Patriots. But we're both with the Chiefs. We're both laying seven. Last NFL game we got here, Eagles. I mean, just to talk about it, to deplete the roster. Eagles on the road at San Francisco. Both are injury-prone. Eagles getting seven points. Carson Wentz, speaking of quarterback play, not been looking good. Are you a believer? Can they turn it around? Or is this a San Fran romp? Oh, this one, another tough one. I hate, I hate laying seven points, especially. Is Mullins in, or is uh? I believe, back? I believe it's Mullins. I haven't seen anything about Jimmy G returning yet. Yeah, you know, the Eagles stink, but the 49ers depleted. For some reason, I think the Eagles are going to cover. Everybody's been riding Wentz like he's terrible. I do think he's terrible this year. But uh, I'm going to take the, take the points here. Maybe they keep it close. <sighs> this is another tough one for me. And now I, I'm doing something that maybe is a really bad decision. I'm going to base my pick based on what I saw uh, in games against the Jets and the Giants. But despite how banged up they were, despite basically putting a JV squad on the field against the Jets and the Giants in consecutive wings, to, combine, to score a combined 67 points, to dominate the Jets and the Giants the way they did. I understand they're two of the worst teams in the NFL. This is a JV squad on the field. They're getting a little bit healthier. I think George Kittle's going to return this week. Nick Mullins, I mean, looked pretty good against the Giants last week. And to your point, the Eagles' offense just looks broken. I still like Carson Wentz. I still think a lot of it's his fault. But they just look so out of sync. Doug Peterson just lost his aggressiveness this year. This is a game where, honestly, I think the 49ers can win and cover. I'm taking the backups. I'm taking the replacements. The 49ers led by Shane Falco, essentially. Get the win. <laughs> get the cover. 49ers. Book it. I'm taking them. Play in the seven. Let's do it. All right. Well, 
I like that. I like that. So we you got me going. I would. Let's go. You gonna change it? Or are you locked in on Philly? I'm changing it after Whoa. what you just said there, Hickey. He's riding with the replacements. I can't. I can't pick the Eagles. I can't do it. I changed my mind. Wow. Look at that. Our San Fran. San Fran's gonna win by 21. Book it. Book it. 21. This man. This man's been hot with the picks. So if you're at home, I'd, I'd write that down. San Fran 21, book it. So we are both on Alabama. We're both on Auburn. We're both on the Chiefs. We're both on the 49ers. The only disagreement being I have the Browns. You have the Cowboys. A lot yep. of similarities. Great minds think alike is what I've heard you know, That's some, right. some smart people say. So That's now, why I listen to you, Hick. <laughs> this is where B-way, This is where you make your money. This is where you really, really call your shot here. The upset special of the week. You you said you had a lock that you felt really confident in. I'm assuming that this is this is the pick, right? This is where you feel you're most confident. Let's hear it. Upset special of the week. What is B-Ways? Listen to me here. What do they what 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 do, what do they call when you got the best TD percentage of all time? The guy barely has any incomplete passes. They <laughs> scored 40 points in the first three games or something like that. Regression, Hickey. Regression. Regression. I just checked the injury report when I woke up this morning. 23 players on the injury report for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh-oh. They're banged up. Uh-oh. Jamal Adams probably going to be out. Uh-oh. The Seahawks are coming off 3-0, correct? 3-0. They're riding high. They got to fly cross country down to Miami to play in 95 degree heat. My Do upset it. of the week. Do it. It's magic. And the Miami Dolphins. Wow. Take the points. I believe they will cover. It'll be close. I don't know if they'll pull it out, but I believe it'll be a close game over under 54, I think. Little high scoring game. Seattle cannot defend the pass. Neither can Miami. But listen, it gets wonky down in Miami in these games. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm going to take the somewhat healthy Dolphins and we'll see what happens. But let me hear what you think. Wow. Now, just for context, for those listeners out there, if you're thinking this guy's out of his mind, as I was talking about, I have text message proof two weeks ago. B Way, lock it up. Uh, Dolphins cover against the Bills. What do they do, B-Way? Yep. They covered. They covered. Now, I'm 99% sure you called the outright win last week against the Jaguars. Is that correct? I did. I, I said they'd blow them out. What happened? Blowout city. Blew them out. Fitzpatrick lit up that Jaguar second. Gardner Minshew looked like Gardner Minshew. So, you think he's crazy. You think this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or being a homer. B-Way knows his Dolphins. I love it. The upset special of the week. Take the points. Like you said, Russell Wilson has played the best three games of maybe anyone in a three-game stretch. Going to be tough to do for another four games, or, or another game, I should say. Roll the Dolphins. I love it. B-Way's taking the Fins. For my let's go special, fins, let's fins go up. Fins. Fins up. To a who? Might have to trade him. Fitz, Fitz could be the, the, uh, the franchise guy. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, stop. Two is coming in soon, and the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this guy's calling nah, the shot up here. Now people are thinking <laughs> yeah. that. Now they're throwing away the Dolphins pick. 
Dolphins nah, at fin, home. Fins love to cover, though. Cover machines. You know what they say? Good teams cover. That's right. Or great teams. No, I'm sorry. Good teams win. Great teams cover. The Fins, great <laughs> at covering. Great team. Definitely the, the, uh, what you can say there. For my special, I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to go back to the SEC. Not to brag. I did say Mississippi State last week, plus 16 and a half. Now, I didn't say they, they'd win outright. Take the points. Mike Leach, that new offense. LSU's lost everyone that was talented. LS, uh, Mississippi State would cover. They flat out won. I'm going back to the SEC again this week. Missouri getting 11 and a half points at Tennessee. We talk about great teams covering. Missouri against Alabama last week covered. Eli Drinkwitz got that team fighting hard. And Tennessee, a lot similar to Texas A&M, a lot of hype for Tennessee that to me is unwarranted. They recruited well, but guess what? Those recruits don't come in from their two or three years. So while they're doing a nice job so far, I think a lot of that, that hype for Tennessee this year is based on players that will be there in two or three years to make an impact. So I'm not buying it. Missouri played well against Alabama. They will play well again against Tennessee. 11 and a half points. That's your cover special right there. Take the points. Take the Tigers. They'll go into Rocky Top. And you know what Tennessee does love doing early, B-Way? Tennessee loves losing to bad teams early. They did it last year twice. They'll do it again this, this week. Missouri plus 11 and a half. Book it. Lock it up. Lock it love up. Love that. Love that, Hickey. Love that. Hey, B-Way, a lot of fun. Great minds think alike. We agree on four of the five games. The upset special, I'm telling you. If you have the means to do so, if you're in a state that allows so, lock it up. Put, put a little, put a little uh, scratch on B-Way. The Dolphins will cover the lock of the week. His upset special is also the lock of the week. Finn's covering. <laughs> I love it. Love it. B-Way, thanks for coming on today, buddy. Really do appreciate it. All right, appreciate it. Hey, golf game's getting better, man. Great round yesterday. We do, well, to, when your golf game is so bad that there's really nowhere to go but up, that, that's what yesterday was. <laughs> A total debacle, but one or two shots we'll take. At least you're pounding. All right, man. This guy was pounding on that golf course yesterday. But, hey, B-Way, thanks for coming on. I, I really try, do appreciate I try. it. Thanks for having me, Hick. The great Tyler Krolikowski. Locking it up of the week. The Dolphins covering against the Seahawks. You won't find that many places. Only right here at Hickey's Pickers. We appreciate Kroll coming on. We do appreciate you listening to the Ryan Hickey Show on this Thursday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the college action, all the NFL action. We'll be here Monday to wrap it up and recap it all right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.